looking to accelerate your acting career, to stand out from the pack, join host Frank Fawcett as we ignite your acting career. Our show is 100% listener supported. So if you've gotten anything out of the show, please consider supporting Ignite Your Acting Career at Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Ignite Your Acting Career. Or you can do a one-time donation at Cash App. Cash App is dollar sign Fawcett Media. Um, By doing this, this will keep us uh, bringing you the content that you love from Ignite Your Acting Career. Uh, We've got all types of levels uh, all the way from $5 monthly to $100 per month. You get general uh, support, ad-free content. You can get a one-on-one career console with me, live streams, added content. It's going to be really nice over there. So go ahead and subscribe on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Ignite Your Acting Career. Hey, what's happening? This is Frank Fawcett, host of Ignite Your Acting Career Podcast. I want to thank you for joining me. What's good? What's happening? What's what's popping, world? <laughs> yeah, just wanted to check in and say hello. Um, I'm out here living the dream, as they say. Um, a lot of stuff going on right now with... Um, Fawcett Media. Um, I'm basically uh, done with my script, everybody. Yeah! Wish I could insert some round of applause here. Um, I had a deadline set for myself, and um, you know, it's really important to set goals and deadlines for yourselves out there, guys. Even for your own work, because you know, like, you'll just put things off and put things off until there's really some incentive to do that. I know that's how I operate. And so it was good. I had a date set uh, and um, little money was attached to the situation. Um, we're going to still see about that if it comes through or not. But the just the idea of having a real end point, um, an end point, I say very loosely because you know, once you finish your first draft, um, revisions is the real writing part. You know, there's going to be several different versions of this script. I've already, already on version two. And, um, it's just really a lot of, um, work that could be done after the fact. But, uh, you know, I'm really proud of myself. I'm patting myself on the back. If you could see me. Um, and, you know, just just really excited about getting things going again for myself, you know. Um, yeah, because cause at this point in my career, I feel like, you know, like I'm starting to see how things can be if you're making your own work, if you're, you know, fielding offers. Like, because right now, I'm going to be honest with you. You got to get yourself hot. That's what it comes down to, really. Um, nobody's really 
seeking out talent, especially in this kind of consolidating economy. And I, I think I want to touch on that a little later um, about the 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 what is the word? Um, the contracting of the business and in the office spaces and everybody's working from home and remotely and and, you know, everybody's having to change how they would once spend uh, a corporation's money. So therefore, you know, there's no um, there's no real like theater to go see, to find the next big thing. There's no showcases for the kids coming out. I'm sure there's going to be something on Zoom, but, um, you know, <laughs> good luck with that. I mean, it's so hard to get a personal feel sometimes over a Zoom where you can really know what's going on and, and get a, a crowd reaction, you know, like, so I, I really don't envy the situation that a lot of people coming out of school are going through, um, you know, and um, it's it's just, it's a hard way to really judge talent so what i think it is is when people see somebody in something now it means a lot more you know where as before you'd be like oh yeah this little short film that's coming around it's going viral on the internet i think those people are being given opportunities that they weren't given once before um and so that's kind of um that's kind of where we're at right now Give me a second here. Uh, there was an email that kind of touches on that. I want to answer some of our Ignite Your Acting Career listeners' emails. And, um, oh, here we go. Here's one. Somebody was talking about, um, okay, this is, this email comes from Elijah James. Um, Hi, my dream is to become an actor, but this whole business and process to become one is very confusing. Do I use backstage or actor's access or both or more? How do I even get an agent while showcases aren't happening due to COVID? What's the best way to submit myself to different agencies? If you can get back to me, that would be great. Thank you. Well, thank you for your email, Elijah. I'm going to see if I can uh, help you a little bit because right now it's not an exact science. You know, there's no set answer for these questions that you put before us. And yes, all of the options that you named, Actors Access, Backstage, they're all viable options right now. Everything's in play uh, because we're in a non-traditional non-traditional situation and and trust me um everything is being done uh via taped audition so however you can acquire those auditions um that's going to be the determining factor i think uh you named a couple good ones that can be hit or miss um so right now I would say if there's any way to find out what films are shooting in your area or what TV is shooting in your area, um, you know, drop a little line to a casting director. Now, this 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 is not a uh, march into everyone, everyone in castings DM, but 
there has to be a way to to end around while you don't have an agent. And, you know, I say this, but I need to start doing it myself, honestly. Um, you know, they all have email addresses. There's ways to get in contact with people. If you find a role that's right for you, and this is going to take research. This is going to take a lot of Googles, you know, getting online and doing your thing. Um, if you can find out the films and stuff that you're right for, by submitting yourself, you're helping that casting director do their job. You know, you're helping them discover you. And by, you know, by product, a byproduct of that is that you get an opportunity that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Um, I would say right now is a, it's not a hard time to get an agent, but like I said before, it's about heat. So if you're hot right now, agents are going to be looking for you. Um, so it's your job and imperative to get hired onto something, you know, granted, um, I wouldn't do much low budget stuff now because the the protections for COVID wouldn't be in place most likely. And you'd be putting yourself at a risk that's probably unnecessary for maybe a small amount of money. Um, and I know there's a lot of, um, SAG monitors now that, kind of go around these sets and, you know, kind of make sure that things are going right and producers are pulling out their hair because they've never had so much attention placed on their little small production. They said, how did I get so important? Well, you're doing something that some of the major studios aren't doing. It's a serious undertaking. And um, so, yeah, I would say get yourself in front of as many people that can help your career and make you uh, take you to the next level. Um, I would say also, uh, just online marketing, you know, like the things that we do on a regular basis, like making videos with your friends, you know, if you have a controlled environment and you're keeping your presence up on, on Instagram, um, that's a way to get attention. And, and granted, I've seen some pages. I, I've really been slacking on my Instagram considering I thought I was doing pretty good. But there's some pages with 2,000 posts right now, and I'm looking at my 200 posts, and I'm like, well, maybe I could do a little bit more. So any way possible that you can garner attention in this economy, in this market, whether that, you know, you've got that one moment of uh, virality shot with your cell phone, your, your iPhone, there's a chance for you to step into some bigger opportunities right now. That's the most attractive feature of now is that it's not a star system necessarily anymore. Right now we're dealing with who's right and who's available. And a lot of people are available. So, and you got just as good a chance as getting it as say a, a real, real, uh, successful young actor that's coming out of a big program, big acting program, you know, or from, you know, overseas or somewhere. So honestly, they're looking for you. So we got to seize these opportunities. We got to, we got to be available and, um, and hungry. So think outside the box, use all the traditional methods, you know, check backstage every day, see if there's anything there. If there's not, 
Don't worry about it. But you got to keep yourself abreast on what they used to call the trade publications, you know, like the ones that would be announcing what movies coming up, you know, like deadline.com. I, I check that periodically and see, I'm like, Oh, okay. This movie's coming out. So it gives you a heads up even in the early phases when they've just attached a couple actors, then you can start targeting those projects and start winning. <laughs> All right. I hope that answers your question in a very, um, long-winded way i'm gonna move on to the next email uh leslie from leslie grant uh love the show well thank you hi frank i stumbled across your podcast and wanted to thank you for the work you're putting out it's very inspiring as an actress and i'm learning so much well thank you leslie um i can't wait to listen to all of them wishing you the best of luck and i look forward to following your adventure best leslie leslie thank you very much thank you thank you thank you um you have no idea (laughs) how those little messages make people feel um it makes it all worth it when i realize there are people out there that really are listening and really taking in the advice on the Ignite Your Acting Career podcast. <laughs> um, let's see. I think there was one more. If not, I'll move on. But um, oh, this one is actually a promotion. Okay, one more, one more. No. Yeah, that's from a while ago. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think, I think what it is right now is as we evolve in this as actors, as we figure out how to become fully embodied artists, we have to, we have to allow ourselves the space to remove fear from the equation this is something I've been kind of studying independently. It's just how fear can inject itself into your your mental space and cause you to hold yourself back. You know, I was sent a, a, a quote a while back that basically said, um, you know, self-talk is worse than haters. You know, self-talk is worse than you know, the people that would be critical of you. And so somehow we have to clear our minds. You know, I think back to when I was a young whippersnapper, (laughs) I didn't know wrong, wrong protocol. I, I, I wasn't trying to be cool. I was just trying to stay on the mechanical bull, as it were. So there would be times where you know, like say I got out of grad school and um, we did our showcase in Los Angeles and I said, hey, I'd like to move to Los Angeles one day. But, you know, I don't have a car. I'm not thinking about moving to L.A. and it would just be too much work. Well, all of a sudden. I get a call from my agent that I signed with while I was out here. Um, L.A. wanted me more than New York for some reason. I'll never, never, never understand why, <laughs> but it's okay. Um, 
and they were interested in getting me in for a couple feature films and, and TV shows that they had coming across their desk. They were hot on me right then. They're like, man, you need to really come out here. So I'm sitting in my dressing room at Shakespeare in the Park in New York City. And, you know, I'm literally like a tree pusher, you know, like I was understudying one of the leads, but my job every night was to come out and um, play a constable, <laughs> which is, you know, a policeman. I might have had a line or two. I think I did. Have, I definitely had some lines. Um, and I had to push this this uh, tree across in one of the set changes. That was my that was my my gig. <laughs> and I loved it. I loved it because I got to, you know, work with Sam Waterston and um, I think Sean Patrick Thomas and like. Dominic Kianese from The Sopranos and like all these great actors that I had grown up watching. And like it was it was interesting because um, I'm getting called to Hollywood at the same time. And I'm like, wow, what do I do? So now I, I had I was dead set when I left L.A., I was like, oh, no, I've got to go back and finish my obligation on um, off Broadway and Shakespeare in the Park. And uh, I, I won't be able to, to come to L.A. right away. I won't be able to stay. Um, but but I, I'll be back. How about that? <laughs> I didn't know if I was coming back at all. So shortly after, my mother actually answered one of my questions. I was like, well, where would I get a car from? Well, my mom was like, I'm about to buy a new car. You can have my car. And so things started to just fall into place. and. My ideas of what I couldn't do were the fear talking to me. Um, so what happened was we end, I ended up driving back to Los Angeles. I came back from New York, went down and met my mom. Or we met like halfway and then we I drove the rest of the way with my mother um, to L.A., and like, you know, literally the apartment situation, one of my classmates' dads had a place that was on the beach. It was beautiful. It was on the alley side of the beach. And like so many things just fell into place that, you know, I never could have guessed. And like, I literally was stopping myself, you know, because I was limiting what potentially could have been, you know, um, I was, I was really in my head and I really, you know, I, I made up a bunch of excuses on why this thing couldn't happen. And it was happening whether I was there, whether I was going to be a part of it or not. So the ball's in motion and you have to clear your mind and breathe through any doubt you might have. Because, I mean, I went on a tear when I got here. Holy crap. I went on 60 auditions, like, off the break. And that's the thing. Like, could I have guessed that my life would have changed that quickly? Because I literally had the idea that I was going to be in New York for maybe five years and, you know, hang out and maybe, you know, shoot out to L.A. on pilot season, you know. <laughs> and literally... Months after graduation, I'm I'm headed back to Los Angeles. Um, and so, you know, 
there were good things and bad things that happened. I, I think, you know, like I said, I had the vision in my head that that was something that I thought was a potential possibility. And, um, you know, it, it just happened uh, once I cleared my mind of all my doubt. So that's where you need to stay. And that's where you need to gain. You, you need to gain the. I guess the confidence to allow yourself to not get in your own way. And, um, you know, I, I, it's a ongoing process. I'm, I'm so many years deep in this and I still have the same moments. I still have the, the moments of doubt. I have the moments of, well, you know, maybe one day I'll get an agent or whatever, you know? And at a certain point, you're just like, yeah, you'll get the agent once you do the work to do the work that you want to do, you know, and and like a lot of truth is in the statement from Field of Dreams that rang in all of our heads as children. Some of our older listeners will remember if you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. And so I'm in the process of building it and. I'm content in how the process of building it molds me. Understand? It might be a, I don't know. That might be too deep of a concept, but <laughs> uh, I, I think all actors have this. You know, we have this, this, I don't know, imposter syndrome. And so you got to allow, it's natural to have it but it's not natural to let it take over your life. That's what I want to say. And uh, I'll probably go into it deeper on another episode, but moving right along, everybody, you know, we've, um, we've been doing this for a while and um, wanted to, I mentioned deadline earlier. Let me see if I can find it. Okay. I think it's this one. Peter Bart, corporate restructuring stirs mounting fears in Hollywood as major studio layoffs loom. This is from the great Peter Bart, who I used to watch on his program uh, with another producer. Damn, I wish I would remember the name of the show. Um, but it used to come on regular TV back in the early, early 2000s, I guess. And, you know, they used to talk about the industry. Um, I'm going to remember it one day and put it in a future episode. <laughs> I don't have time to look it up right now. But Peter Bart's been around forever, writes, writing for Deadline magazine. Um, with yet another major round of layoffs about to hit Hollywood, I'm reminded of Ben Heck's explanation of how he made his peace with the town. The key is to understand how to balance the misery with the money, he wrote. Arriving in Hollywood at the zenith of the studio system, Hecht wrote that everyone he met was working, but also complaining. <laughs> now, that sounds <laughs> that sounds exactly like Hollywood. It's everybody's so hard up to get the work. And then, you know, once you get it, you're like, man, uh, I need to get out of here. <laughs> this is terrible. Um, but anyway. Uh, arriving in Hollywood at the Zenith, um, good paying jobs were abundant for grips, extras, even, even writers. 
Studio contracts kept the stars. I guess this is golden age Hollywood. Studio contracts kept the stars bejeweled, but not wealthy. Yeah, back in the day, you used to sign up a contract with a studio and they would build you up as this entity that could be put into multiple different projects and films as long as your contract was going. I'm sure you're familiar with this, but it was a long time ago. The dreaded studio chiefs were autocratic, but also not rich by today's billionaire standards. Uh, the ecosystem worked in its own self-protective way with everyone doing well, but wanting more. Yeah. Yeah, that's about right. Um, it was more working class. And I always say this about acting, especially is like we are. There are celebrities and there are super rich people that exist in it. But this is a this is really like work, labor, you know, like in some cases and that we're working class people who are doing this grandiose thing, you know, that's why I think some of the best actors are so down to earth and, you know, studio execs too. But yeah, if Hecht were around today, he'd wonder why it isn't working very well anymore. Hmm. He managed to become the its highest paid writer. He'd especially be fascinated by the melodrama, melodrama surrounding AT&T and its Hollywood protectorate, Warner Media, which this week starts reducing costs by a further 20% at a moment when some 80, 840,000 other Americans are seeking unemployment aid nationwide. Some 600 studio workers were cut in August alone. Wow. Um, analysts see layoffs looming at other studios as well, noting Disney's new restructuring of its streaming services. Some uh, 28,000 Disney layoffs were recently announced after 100,000 furloughs worldwide in August and potential investor unrest at other companies such as MGM stemming from the delayed release of major productions, especially the James Bond movie. Now, COVID has dealt us a hand, guys. It's literally holding back James Bond. It's never happened before. Um, but I mean, if you don't have a theater to go to, like, it's really, it's really hard, man. I mean, they, they even sold the coming to America two movie, um, with Eddie Murphy for $125 million to Netflix or to Amazon. I'm sorry. And so we're going to be watching that for the first time, probably get a limited theater release somewhere. It'll just play in the theater, probably empty. And, uh, you know, a lot of movies are going to do that just to qualify for the Oscars. Um, but, yeah, they, they needed to cash out. They needed that $125 million. I can't blame them. Uh, the studio chiefs no longer are the principal targets of complaint with studios taking subservient their subservient place in the new corporate structures. And that, that's Silicon Valley coming in. It's, uh, you know, Silicon Valley is king right about now. You know, the Hollywood studio systems, they're almost subject to the tech companies. You know, it's like I told you, you know, a while back on Ignite Your Media Career <laughs> that um, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all these other streaming sites, 
that we have like these are our TV channels. These are our um, movie theaters now. You know, like so we're consuming so much content on YouTube alone. It's like, you know, like I don't have to watch regular TV sometimes, you know. So and news that we get from the feed like that's being taken impacted so and so much so i think some news is uh you know more uh, there was the story about um um joe biden's son that actually you know the tech companies had the final say on whether it would be posted or not you know um not to get too political right now but yeah it's like people are getting 40% of their news from the internet from Facebook. Now, I think it was just, I think that figure belongs to just Facebook alone. So we're having a restructuring that's based on all this stuff, all this stuff that was pie in the sky. They would have laughed at 10, 15 years ago. It's happening. We're here now, but anyway, moving right along. Um, indeed the moment when AT&T mandated mandated its new round of cutbacks. The CEO who triggered the Warner Media Media acquisition, Randall Stevenson, announced his retirement at age 60. AT&T's parting gift to him totaled nearly a hundred million in pension and deferred earnings. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't have to get approval for it either, did you? <laughs> it's like it's like you're the boss. You could write yourself your own pension in, in retirement. But uh <laughs> Or you have some influence on it, for sure. Uh, the phone company's $85 billion acquisition of Warner Media reflected Wall Street's belief in the long-term growth of the entertainment sector worldwide. Disney earlier had affirmed this doctrine with its acquisitions of Pixar and Lucasfilm, though some traders now question whether it overpaid for its biggest deal. Fox, Comcast, owning NBC Universal also had forged its commitment to acquisition, though some bankers now question whether it overpaid for Sky News. The company was petulant about losing the Fox deal. The second guessing about AT&T's initiatives, however, have gained the widest attention. Elliott Management, a hedge fund, claimed publicly that AT&T already was overinvested in problematic media assets such as DirecTV, whose present $20 billion value totals less than half of what AT&T paid for it in 2015. According to some analysts, uh, with AT&T shares showing 27% decline so far this year, John Stanky, the new, its new CEO and self-described bellhead, uh, dec <laughs> declared that assets, yeah, <laughs> Uh, declared that assets were not set in stone, adding, there's nothing sacred anywhere in the business. And that's what we're talking about. We're in a new paradigm. There's nothing sacred. And Warner Media is no exception. Stanky himself made $17.8 million in 2019 and has not revealed this year's compensation. None of the this provides equanimity at Warner Media, which already eliminated some 500 jobs in August, spread among HBO, TBS, and the Warner Brothers TV and Film Studio, which employed some 30,000 earlier this year. If heads continue to roll at the executive level, to be sure, some of those displaced already have found new ventures in the financial arena. Interesting. Uh, 
Two former Disney uh, mavens, Tom Staggs and Kevin Mayer, disclosed this week they would join with Shaquille O'Neal to establish a media acquisitions venture that Wall Street calls Blank Check Company. A Blank Check Company. <laughs> it's designed to make deals, not content. According to the SEC filing, some $250 million will help write the initial blank check. Shaquille last week coincidentally put his mega mansion outside Orlando up for sale for $19.5 million. But Aver of Avers, Avers, that he, but Avers that he didn't need to the cash to write the blank checks. <laughs> Since the bankers at Goldman Sachs saw their earnings decrease 95% this year, the Disneyites seem to be asking why mess around with Hollywood when Wall Street doesn't even acknowledge the word cutbacks. And great article, once again, by Peter Bart in Deadline this week. Um, just, we've got to understand, there's a lot of money being thrown around because people don't know where to go like there was I, it's funny this article starts in the golden age of Hollywood because there was a time in Hollywood where things were structured where I don't know the the system of studios there were five major studios I believe and they had a way of operation that was consistent right now all of what we've built since then is now being upended again. And now corporate money, Goldman Sachs, you heard that name and Shaquille O'Neal, <laughs> which I don't know. I don't know. If Shaquille is just a face uh, to a face of this, but he's made some very shrewd investments and um, in the past. And, you know, he's definitely in it probably to make some, some real money, you know, um, but the systems being upended and the introduction of digital into this analog archaic system has now shifted the swung the power to the digital corporations, you know, like, that's what I'm saying, like AT&T and, you know, Facebook and all these people have so much sway on what is popular even that. Now we have to, it's not like we're calling the tune any longer as, as creators in Hollywood, as you know, what would have been studio execs. Now the execs are coming from finance backgrounds they are coming from uh, different disciplines. They're maybe interested in analytics or algorithms more than just traditional things that we've always known. And so I think it's interesting um, what, how this has evolved and how it's been slammed into overdrive right now because in the hyperdrive, really, because now we're in the exact, exact opposite of where we were 10, 15 years ago, even. So, you know, it's, it's exciting. There's a lot of opportunity there. And, um, I think as long as we're shrewd and we think innovatively, we can become participants in that. And that's why I think outside of just my chosen discipline of acting, I'm always looking at technology and I'm always looking at ways to figure out even this podcast. Like, you know, 
I was really shocked that there wasn't a lot more acting podcasts out there. Not to mention just, you know, um, podcasts focused on the industry. Now, there are some that are associated with bigger news platforms and, and stuff like that, but um, just independently, because I feel like there's something that needs to be said. And I I thank you for joining me here at Ignite Your Acting Career, our podcast for everything now. <laughs> um, but the brand is acting. So let's uh let's let's put it out there. Let's let's build our careers. Let's let's take charge in this moment and let's uh, slam it into hyperdrive. Uh, I think I found an episode title. Uh, but anyway, you all take care of yourselves and uh, I will see you next time. Frank Fawcett. Follow us at Ignite Your Acting Career everywhere or Ignite Actings in some places. So, yeah. Um, Ignite Your Acting Career. Later. Powered by Fawcett Media.